is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. That, of course, is not the voice of the great one. It's always tough filling in for a guy nicknamed the great one, by the way. I'm Dan Bongino, your handy-dandy, bullpen, crafty, veteran knuckleballer, coming out of the bullpen in the bullpen car, filling in for Mark. John Kapoor, he's off today. He will be back with you on Monday. Have no fear. But there is a new Levin TV tonight at uh, CRTV, CRTV.com, so go check that out. Have no fear. You can get your fix for Mark on Levin TV. But I will be manning the con tonight. As always, a lot to talk about. Have to triage my needs about where I want to go. But let me just dive right in because here's where we're going to start today. No sense beating around the bush. You know, I know there's a big debate out there going on, and this is understandable. I get it. Between liberals, Republicans, establishment types, Trump fans, never Trump people, there's a debate about a lot of what Trump does. Now, I'm going to disclose the Trump theorem tonight. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And I'm just asking a lot of the folks who are Democrats, liberals, and never Trump to just hear me out on this one. But the genesis of the debate and the whole core of this thing is, is a lot of what Trump does intentional or is it basically off-the-cuff stuff when he gives speeches and he says things like, and by the way, the reason I'm bringing this up is the NFL thing, obviously. He went to a rally for Luther Strange, the now defeated Republican uh, senator from Alabama who lost the primary to Roy Moore. He went to a rally and he called out the NFL athletes and he said, if I were the owner, I'd tell those SOBs to stand up. Now, this argument comes up all the time. Well, did Trump just say that? Was he just a guy who's out of control? He can't control himself. It was an off-the-cuff extemporaneous remark. Or was this a strategic move? Folks... I think it was, I think it was a beautiful thing. I mean, I think, you know, there's this argument of four-dimensional chess, right? Is it four-dimensional checkers, four-dimensional chess, whatever? I think it was a strategic move, and here's why. This is what Trump, whether you love him or hate him, and I'm just, again, I'm asking the never-Trump crowd for a minute and the liberals to just open up and listen, open up your ears and listen to what I'm about to tell you, because I think there's some, there's some strategy going on here. The beauty of what Donald Trump has done with his kind of off-the-cuff, extemporaneous, bombastic, hyperbolic statements is he forces liberals to constantly show their show their cabooses. I made this argument in some uh, a conservative review, or I, I, I put some content out over there, and I've been making this argument repeatedly about a number of issues, how the, the, I think in some cases, I'm not saying Trump always does this. There are times where I think he says things that I think he wish he could take back. But there are other times where instead of saying something, Trump, uh, Trump jumps past it. He engages in this hyperbolic, big, bombastic rhetoric, right? And the liberals, instead of a sensible, normal, reasonable response... What do liberals do? Liberals overreact every time and expose to America what they really are. Which are basically, I'm not talking about all Democrats here, but I'm talking about the extreme far left, which are basically anti-American socialists. Let me give you a few examples. We'll start with the NFL, because this is an easy one, right? 
With the NFL, what does he do? He goes out there, and instead of saying something like, you know, I, I guess they have the right. They, you know, let me make this easy for you. Let me tell you, let's do this. Let's play the if I were a politician game, right? I'm not. I ran for office. I'm not doing that ever again. But I know what it's like. I've dealt with these people often, right? A standard run-of-the-mill GOP swamp rat who was the president, right? Here's how they would have handled that. Let's say they were questioned about it at a rally. They would say, a focus group told them to say this, by the way. They would say something like, well, you know, we have a long tradition of uh, speech in this country and activism, and uh, I think it's great that people get to say what they'd like to say on the sidelines, but uh, I do believe in respecting the American flag and the anthem, and I think it's the right thing to do. And everybody would say, all the establishment swamp rats would be like, yeah, that was great. You know what? It wasn't great. That sucked, okay? Because that's not how normal American people think or talk. The genius of Trump is, he's got, believe me, they have all the political assets in the world right now. The RNC is flush with money. They could put together a focus group every day from now to when Trump leaves the presidency. That's not what he does. I'm not kissing the guys, but I'm just telling you that's not what he does. He's a Queens guy. I've already told you about Queens guys. For those of you who heard me fill in for Mark before, I'm from Queens. We don't have the money of the Manhattan people. We're never as tough as the Brooklyn and the Bronx kids, so Queens kids always have an attitude. We always have an attitude because we got to show, we got to, we got to prove ourselves all the time. He's a Queens guy, so he goes out there on the NFL, and instead of giving the focus group tested talking point, what does he do? He goes out there, and goes SOPs, get off the field. And Americans, by the way, who think like that, a lot of them, and talk like that to their friends, are like, well, all right. That sounds like my kind of guy. Now, instead of the libs just digesting that, and, and, and see, here's the thing with liberalism, by the way. And I, you know, again, last time I was in for Mark, I made this point, too. Liberalism is all about disguising your crazy, kooky, fringe positions. It's all about making people believe that your fringe positions aren't, in fact, fringe positions. Whether it's men in the women's room, whether it's crapping all over the American flag, it's all about making you believe that these are mainstream positions. What Trump has done is he's forced the liberals to come out and expose themselves as the extreme radicals they are. Listen, this is genius whether he knows he's doing it or not. He comes out and goes, SOPs, get him off the field. And what does the left do? Instead of just, now here... Let me just play the role of the normal, that was the normal Republican president with the focus group tested talking points. Let me now give you the normal liberal political leader response, who also probably has a focus group, but it's a liberal focus group. Here's how he would respond. Well, I, you know, strongly disagree with President Trump. We have a long history of freedom of expression in this country and social justice and snowflakes and etc., something like that. People's feelings are hurt. Inequality, fair share. Uh, Bill Clinton's great. Barack Obama's wonderful. White privilege, something like that. That's the normal standard response, right? What happens now? The liberals can't do any of that because they have Trump derangement syndrome on steroids. They're all maniacal about their dislike and distaste for Donald Trump. So what do they do? They all respond and lose their mind. They're on talk shows talking about police are hunting black men. This is the worst country on earth for oppression. People, this is unbelievable. What, this is what America is hearing. As they're watching 
multi-million dollar athletes on foreign soil, on foreign soil, by the way, disrespect our anthem, by the way, as they stand for the United Kingdom, for God save the Queen. Because, by the way, they didn't want to insult the United Kingdom. But don't worry, they can insult us, no problem at all. Which is ironic, because they said the kneeling gesture for the flag and the anthem is not about the flag or the anthem. But then, uh, you know, <laughs> the point I've been trying to make repeatedly on any cable hit I get is, well, if that's the case, why did they stand for God save the Queen, right? Why, why stand? If, if kneeling is not an act of disrespect, then why did you stand for the, when the United Kingdom, when God saved the Queen, uh, played? Oh, because we didn't want to insult them? Well, that defeats your whole point. He forces a liberal overreaction every single time. They can't control themselves. They are obsessed with this anti-Trump rage. And the beauty of this, whether it's a strategy or not, I think it is a little bit of, you know, the four-dimensional chess. This is a bit stupid terms have been going around forever. <clears throat> but I do think someone tells them to do this. Because finally... The liberals who are associating themselves with the Democrat label are exposing themselves to America for what they are. And people are watching the TV screen. They're watching multi-million dollar athletes crap all over our American flag. And they're like, wait, man, that, you know, that's not me. I, I, I've been voting Democrat forever. Obviously not me, but you get my point. But that that's not me. Like, I don't represent that. I'm a, you know, coal miner in, in Kentucky or West Virginia or whatever it may be. And, you know, I thought Democrats were for the working guy, but I didn't think being for the working guy meant we had to disrespect the flag. And now, wait, I'm being told that this is not an act of disrespect, that this all of a sudden, you know, by the way, kneeling at the sound of the national anthem is a universally accepted sign of disrespect. Oh, again, but liberals trying to convince you that a fringe position is not, in fact, a fringe position, want you to believe that kneeling when the national anthem is played is somehow not an act of disrespect. It's an amazing, like, you know, Seinfeld, with, you know, that the George when he does everything backwards, like Bizarro World Superman moment, where the world is upside down and the liberals want you to believe, like, right, right is wrong, wrong is right, up is down, down is up. It's, it's insane. Now, Trump has done this before. Matter of fact, the reason I'm bringing it up is not to do an entire show in the NFL today. Cause I got the Democrats are losing their mind on taxes. I got a couple sound bites here. I love when anyone proposes a tax cut. Hearing the Democrats trot out the same stupid lines they've been they've been throwing out there for 50 years. They have the economic knowledge of a kindergartner at like pizza popcorn movie night. I'm bringing that up because my daughter's at pizza popcorn movie night tonight. By the way, I didn't just make that up out of thin air. I had it. I mean, I got a home studio. My daughter sometimes, you know, you have no idea when I fill in for Mark sometimes, we have to like, I have to put movies on for my daughter in the other room because my five-year-old, she'll walk right in, she'll jump right on the air. She, If you watched her on Fox and Friends, I did that cooking with friends, you'll see. My daughter loves that kind of stuff. She's a total ham. All right, getting back to the point. Trump did it again today. So the NFL thing, he forced them to show their butts, and they did, by jumping out and defending the insult to our flag and our anthem which, by the way, turned off most Americans based on polling, based on just about all the anecdotal data and the direct TV people who are getting cancellations like crazy now. The red zone, what is it, ESPN red zone, too? People are calling in to cancel. But he did it on taxes today. He comes out, Trump, that is, he makes a statement about growth. He says, well, with these tax cuts, and I'll get into these things. I want to talk a little bit about them. But he goes, with these tax cuts, we can reach 6% growth. And again, instead of liberals 
just chilling out and dealing with this in a normal, reasonable, political manner, what do they do? He makes this hyperbolic statement, right? 6% growth is a lot, folks. It's possible, I'll be honest with you, Reagan did it, but it's hard to do. 6% GDP growth is going to be really tough. I think Trump knows that. But someone, I'll bet, told him, go out there, say 6% growth. Watch these dopey lips. Watch how they respond. And sure enough, they fall right into the trap, just like with the NFL every single time. They fall right into the trap. They come out with the 6% growth. They go, 6% growth. That's crazy. The U.S. economy can't grow at 6%. That's nuts. And all of a sudden, again, people are watching TV, watching Democrats talk down the American economy over and over again. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. That That's when I go into party and, and vote Democrat? That's what I'm voting for? People who think the American economy, uh, the American economy stinks? That they fall into this trap every time. They are strategic, just absolute zeros, zippies, losers. They cannot figure out how to get out of this, this, this emotional trap, this Trump derangement syndrome, and they fall into this trap every time. It, again, I'm just going to leave it to say I take a break, but is it, is it, is it, can I confirm to you with 100% certainty that they're doing this on purpose, the Trump team? I can't. But it's been working so well, I would be stunned with all the political assets they have, the strategic assets and weapons on their team. I would be stunned if a lot of this isn't done deliberately, knowing liberals will not be able to control themselves. That is what I'm calling the Trump theorem. It's, and it's work. It's, it's, the liberals have shown their butts every single time, and nobody likes what they're saying. All right, I'm Dan Bongino, at D. Bongino on Twitter. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. Liberals, you're always welcome. You know I like a good argument on the air. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Mark Levin Show, Dan Bongino, contributing editor over at Conservative Review, at D. Bongino on Twitter. If you want to comment, criticize, whatever, you'd like to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Hey, I'm going to wrap this up at the NFL. i got to move on. There's a lot of things to talk about here. But just play the damn game already. Just play the game. Go out and play the game. I still don't understand. And I'm being, I'm, listen, I'm being gravely serious on this one, right? Why do you care what these athletes have to say? Why do they think we care? It's probably a better way to say it. I mean, when you go into your doctor's office, right? You go into your doctor's office. Do you ask your doctor his political opinions? When you, even better, right? You go into your accountant's office. I have absolutely no idea what my accountant's politics are. Uh, maybe a little idea, but a very little idea. You know why? I don't care. And either should you. You know why? His value added, in my case, it's a man, the accountant. His value added in my life is that he's an accountant. He understands IRS law. And I've been using him for a while, and he's a nice guy. I really don't care what his politics are. When I go in to have, I'm always having some, like, operation. My body's falling apart, right? I've been at this orthopedist down here in Palm City probably three, four times. When I go in there, I don't say, I don't remember the doctor's name. How embarrassing is that? I, uh, doc. He's going, hey, Doc, right? I don't say, hey, how do you feel, by the way, about systematic oppression and white privilege and critical theory? How do you feel about that, Doc? Who cares? 
Who cares? Seriously, who cares? So just to be clear on this, not that some NFL athletes aren't smart. I'm sure some of them are geniuses. I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, it takes, let's just talk strict skills. It takes a whole lot of intellectual material to be a doctor and an accountant. You may be smart in the NFL, but you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to pass the MCATs. If you have some physical skills and you can read a playbook, you can play at an elite level. So why would we care what you have to say? Just play the game. Just play the game. Folks, this is a really tough political time, okay? I don't want to be dramatic. It's not the Civil War. It's not the Revolution. It's not the War of 1812. It's, it's not the 60s. But it is a rough political time. Liberals will, are getting ready to shred the country because they can't stand Trump to a degree of derangement I haven't seen in my short 42 years on this planet. We wanted a break. We just need a break. On Sunday, we just want to chill out. We just want to sit back, grab some popcorn, maybe a brewski, an adult soda, and watch a darn football game. Can you just shut up and play the game? No one's saying you don't have the right to say what you say, but say it somewhere else. Why do we have to watch you on a Sunday do this? Oh, just play the game. All right, I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for the great one. Give Mark a follow, at Mark Levin Show. And give us a call if you want to join in, 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. If you're trying to reach Mark on the air, call him at 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Radio Show continues. Welcome back, folks. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. Filling in for Mark. Could be back with you on Mondays. Off for Yom, uh, Yom Kippur. By the way, have you picked up uh, Mark's book yet, Rediscovering Americanism? Hey, one of the things I love about this book is it covers the why. You know, it's an issue I've been just infatuated with forever. It's like why the left does really stupid things. And when you understand the historical context of liberal ideology, the thought leaders that they found influential, that have embedded themselves like ticks in modern liberalism, it all makes sense. Well, that's what Mark's book does. I always say you can read the book fast. It's, a, it's an easy read. It's a good read. It'll, it'll keep you pay, turning the pages. But I encourage you to read it slow because it's that good of a book. It'll explain to you why liberals do what they do. Go pick it up. It's available on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, bookstores everywhere. Rediscovering Americanism. You won't regret it. Like I said, read it slow. You can read it fast, but I encourage you to read it slow. It's a real good history of why the left is as kooky as they are. All right, so listen, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. So some breaking news tonight. Tom Price, the HHS Secretary, Health and Human Services, uh, former congressman, uh, resigned. There's been some uh, controversy about some private flights, probably uh, really, that's probably, I mean, it was a bad idea taking those private flights. But I, I'm going to engage in whataboutism here, and I really don't care what people think about it. I get this all the time. You know, when you say, well, what about Obama when he did it? You're just engaging in whataboutism. Yeah, I am. And I'm going to lay out for a second why I'm doing that. Because, folks, can we agree on a common set of rules or not? I mean, do the rules apply to the Trump administration and Republicans and they don't apply to Obama or are the rules across the board because we're a constitutional republic and the government shouldn't be beyond reproach when there are Democrats in office? So, again, I'm, I'm not suggesting any of this was right. I think it was a bad idea. I don't think it was illegal, but I think it was a bad idea. It sends the wrong message to taxpayers funding this kind of money. But there's an article on Fox News today 
FoxNews.com about Eric Holder in 2014 taking a, a, a private jet up to the Belmont Stakes. Not the steakhouse, the Belmont Stakes, like the horse race. That cost 14000 bucks, And he reimbursed the government just $955. By the way, that's just one example. There's a number of examples of Eric, Eric Holder, Loretta Lynch, and others in the Obama administration doing it too. So am I doing uh, engaging in whataboutism? Yeah. Because that's what you do in a constitutional republic when the law is supposed to, supply, uh, is supposed to apply equally across the board. No one's supposed to be above the law. What's wrong with that? I mean, what? look at what's going on right now with the investigations of Manafort and Mike Flynn. If Manafort and Flynn somehow wind up indicted, you should be asking yourself, well, what's going on with Hillary and Lois Lerner? Why do they get a pass? No, seriously, why do they get a pass? What, because they work for Democrat administrations? Oh, it's just whataboutism. You're darn right it is whataboutism. Whataboutism matters. All right, let me take a quick call. Let me take Jeremy from uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. All right, Jeremy, you uh, disagree with me here on on Trump. What what's your uh, what's your point on that? Uh, I just feel I think people I think you uh, are Trump calling uh, the football players SOBs and not the people that protest with a Nazi flag is kind of ridiculous. Okay, I mean, I uh, let me read to you. Hold on, Jeremy. Let me read to you the quote. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. What does the strongest possible terms mean to you? But he also said this. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Time out. What does I condemn in the strongest possible terms mean to you? He also said there were, there, there were good people in that protest, but yet. So, there, so yeah, you know conclusively that there was no one at that protest. You're suggesting, by the way, are you suggesting that Trump was saying Nazis are good people? Because you're a liar. I will hang up on you instantly for being a moron. Are you suggesting I'm that? I'm su suggesting what? Are you suggesting that Trump was saying that Nazis are good people? Because then you're just a straight-up liar. People, he said, pe people in that protest, which were, which were carrying Nazi flags, he said they were. So people. everyone is. So Jeremy, you know for a fact. You're in Green Bay. Were you at the protest? Number one. No, I was not. Okay, you weren't there. So you weren't there. So, but you know, amazingly, Jeremy from Green Bay, Wisconsin, who disagrees, knows that everybody at that rally was a Nazi carrying a Nazi flag. How, how do you no, know that? that, that no, I, I didn't say everybody. So when Trump said there were some good people at that rally, you don't know otherwise, correct? We had to take. We no, had no, no, answer my question. Answer my question. It's my show. Go start your own show. You're welcome into talk radio if you want, but nobody cares about you, apparently. Jeremy, do you know that every single person at that rally was a Nazi? Okay. No one cares about Okay, you don't know that. Okay, so you're wrong again. So, again, Trump condemns them in the strongest possible terms. Condemning in the strongest possible terms means what to you? How come they're not SOVs? Uh, they're condemning but, them in the strongest possible terms, as that the strongest possible terms would be strongest, meaning like SOBs on steroids. That's what condemning in the strongest possible terms mean. J Jeremy, do you have a grasp of the English language? I condemn in the strongest terms are words, okay? Strongest possible terms means you're condemning them in the strongest possible terms. That encompasses things like SOBs. Are you familiar with English? Okay, when he said... Are you, are you from, do you, you speak English clearly? You're not speaking what? to me through like one of those electronic translators, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, so you don't understand what condemning in the strongest possible terms means? Uh, he, 
It's not the same thing as uh, Okay, you don't know that. And you don't know that every single person at that rally was, in fact, a card-carrying member of the Nazi party. You don't know that either, right? Come on, man. Let's get real, man. But, are, oh, that is not you don't, but you don't know that, correct? But... That is why you said. All right, get off the before. phone. You're, you're, you're just. Th th gosh, these people are unbelievable. He doesn't know anything. They condemn in the strongest possible terms. Jeremy has no idea apparently what that means. He doesn't know what the strongest possible. I condemn in the strongest possible terms. He's unfamiliar with the English language apparently. And secondly, said there were some good people at there. You don't know otherwise. Were there a number of really bad, awful people at that rally? You're darn right. But he doesn't. He wasn't at the rally, so he doesn't even know. But of course, he disagrees because that's what liberals do. Oh my gosh, L liberals! How do you do it? Like, how do you wake up in the morning so angry all the time? Everything you have is grievance politics. I mean, if it's not men in the women's room one day, you're angry at systematic uh, oppression the next day. If it's not that, you're angry at police hunting black men the next day. If it's not that, you're angry about the Russians the next day. Is there anything you're not angry about? I mean, if is liberalism, it, it's basically a gasoline tank of anger poured on the American populace every single day. I mean, are you guys all on, on, on Xanax and Prozac? You know, I thank God. If, I live in Florida. I love Florida. And at night sometimes, we have, you know, I'm blessed to live in a pretty nice house, not a mansion by any stretch, but it's a pretty nice house. And we have a nice slider in our back. And when the sun sets at night, Florida, for those of you who live in Florida, you know I'm telling you the truth here, right? We have the best sunsets in Florida. I don't know what it is. Someone told me it's the water. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. All I know is they're darn beautiful, and I'm not one of these guys into, like, art and stuff like that. I like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, kicking ass and taking names, okay? Can we say that, Rich? I think so. I hope so. If not, you have this buzzer, okay? I'm not into this artsy-fartsy stuff. But the sunsets down here are killer. They're unbelievable. And sometimes at night, when we're cooking in the kitchen and the sun creeps in a little bit and it's going down with this, like, purplish hue, right? I'm like, gosh, not only to be alive in America, but to be alive right now. Like you live in the greatest country in the history of mankind. You're not forced to serve in military service here if you don't want to, because brave men and women will defend this for you every day. You, I mean, few people, based on just percentages, will ever starve here. You can never be turned away for medical care in an emergency room in the event of an emergency. Most people, even people in lower income categories have, categories, have access to at least some kind of transportation to get around. It is a relatively safe country outside of areas run by Democrats. People generally love the country and love to be here. It's not that hard to find a job. Maybe not the job you want, but to find a job. And the formula for success here, right now at this time, doesn't exist like it, it it doesn't exist anywhere else on earth like this work hard go to school get an education keep working hard and you will probably die a pretty happy man get married stay married have kids none of this is complicated we live in the greatest country on earth why are you always angry liberals why what are you so pissed off about what is so bad i mean i get it i get it tactically 
how you've completely abandoned the party of John F. Kennedy and how your constant need to generate voter support is fueled on anger. I totally understand that. Generating anger. Now, you could gener they generate anger by creating victim groups. One day, it's men who aren't allowed in the women's room. The next day, they'll, they'll, they'll reach out to minorities and say, you're being hunted by police officers, despite zero evidence of that at all. Next thing, it's NFL athletes for being systematically oppressed. It's a constant anger generation machine. It's like, <laughs> this should laugh, but you remember that, the eight ball thing? You'd shake it and it would give you like an answer to a question. It's like every day they shake the eight ball to get a new answer. What are we angry about today? Today, men should be allowed in the women's room. That's it. Let's go start a controversy about men in the women's room. I mean, how did this NFL thing even start? It started with a guy who put a pair of socks on depicting cops as pigs. Who agrees with that? Like, that is a, that is a kook fringe movement that, like, only Looney Tunes believe in. That uh, cops to pigs. What are we in, like, the 60s again? What is this, like, Charlie Manson, Helter Skelter? Go get the pigs, man. Like, who thinks like that? You know what? We've evolved since the 60s, okay? from the spitting on of our Vietnam veterans and the treatment of cops like pigs into a better society where we understand cops aren't perfect. I was a cop. I'm far from perfect. But they do a pretty damn good job for a pretty crappy salary. What do you think the cops get in this for, all you liberal uh, grievance politics anger machine people that hate the cops? Uh, systematic oppression, police brutality, man. What do you think the cops are in this for? You think they go to work on, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to beat the crap out of someone tonight because that's just what we do because it's so much fun. Are you insane? You know, what do you say to those kids who uh, their dads were cops working for $40,000, $50,000 a year, by no means a rich man's salary? who go to work one night, guy gets shot in the face, and the kid's got to wake up the next morning with mom, and they're trying to, they, what do they do? They got the Cheerios around the table. Dad's never going to walk back in the door again. Yeah, because dad's dead for $40,000 a year to keep your community safe. He may not even live there. What do you say to him? What do you say to that kid? Systematic oppression, man. Police brutality, they're hunting us. Who's hunting who? You know, I'd spring this up. Because I spoke to a uh, cop friend of mine. I'm, I, Of course, I won't use his name, but we know each other from a long time ago. We went to the police academy together. And this guy's a diehard NFL fan. I mean diehard. And he's pretty candid with me. He didn't give up the NFL like I did last season after the Kaepernick disgrace. But he's done. Folks, I'm not making this up. This isn't radio hyperbole for effect, okay? He's done. He's completely done. He tuned it out, and he said so did his friends. This guy's a diehard, diehard Giants fan. I mean, like, cannot get away if you can't peel him away from the television on Sunday. He's finished. He's, he's tired of it. He's tired of being told these Looney Tune kook positions are the, this is the de facto fault line we should argue from there. This is the baseline. We're arguing from a baseline now, according to liberals, that cops are hunting black people and there's systematic oppression. And if you don't accept that baseline, there's no conversation to be had going forward. No. No, no. No more. No, I don't even accept the premise of your argument. The premise of your argument is total garbage. I don't accept it.
And all these people, by the way, engaging and supporting this crap NFL protest, this take-a-knee nonsense, right? All of you supporting it. Let me just give you a little pro tip here, okay? I tweeted this out the other day. You keep saying you want to start a conversation. Nobody's listening to you. Nobody is listening to you besides other kook liberals. You know why? Because you don't start a conversation by kicking a guy in the cojones, okay? And that's what you're doing by kneeling in front of the national anthem. Nobody, everybody's tuned you out after that. All they see is anti-American, anti-cop protests. That's it. I don't know what you think you're doing, but the only minds you're changing are your own and for the worse. Nobody else is listening to you. My gosh. Just frustrating dealing with you libs. All right, I, I got a lot to get. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. If you're holding, stay on the line. If you want to send me a tweet, I'm at Bongino. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. Filling in for the great one. Give him a follow as well at Mark Levin Show on Twitter. Oh, man, we fired some people up with that last segment. I got a lot of really good feedback. But it's true. They're always angry. Liberals are constantly angry about everything all the time. It's grievance politics. It's happening again with this tax issue, which I'm going to get to in the next hour. And I'm going to do something liberals will never do for you folks. This is a public service. And mark the date on this show, because Mark has his show on podcasts. You can get it on iTunes and iHeart and other places. Instead, Mark, what is it, MarkLevinShow.com. They have a podcast. Mark the date of this show, too, because I'm going to give you facts and data about tax cuts. And liberals will never give you. They're going to lie to you over and over and over again because they want to sell to you a bunch of garbage because that's what liberalism is. It's all made up. It's bumper stickers. It's never based in anything factual because once you get to the facts, it never agrees with their silly narratives. All right, let me take a quick call here. Let me go to Chris in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Yeah, all right. We're, getting, we're making our way around the country today. Chris, what do you got for us? Well, I just wanted to touch on the, the previous subject with the NFL and that statement from Trump. Yeah. I really like how you handled that other guy, that previous caller. That was, oh. that was nice. <laughs> well, thank you. I don't. Have, I just don't have any patience for dopey libs. I'm sorry. I listen to a Democrat all day who's reasonable, but not when you're going to just make stuff up, you know. And that's what they do. They call I'm in and they have like talking points ready to go. I'm about to feel your fire. So, what were the first four four words out of Trump's mouth during that statement? It was, "Wouldn't it be nice?" Everything after that is a theoretical play. So he never called anyone directly an sob. It was a, he put himself in a role play situation verbally as the owner saying, get that SOB off my field, not directly calling anyone or anything, just theoretical pointing. Same thing as if you say, wouldn't it be nice if I walked into a gas station and bought a scotch ticket and won a million dollars? You know, Chris, that's a good point, and I'll be honest with you, I don't, I didn't remember that, but you're right. He did say that because I'm looking it up, and that's <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Hey, Chris, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And you know what? I'll be honest with you, folks. I don't care if he put that caveat. It's nice that he put that caveat in there, but I don't really care. I think the appeal of Trump. Again, you know, I listen, folks. I endorse Cruz, but the appeal of Trump has been his honesty always. All right, I'm Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for Mark. Make sure you give Mark a follow as well, at Mark Levin Show. He will be back with you on Monday. Have no fear. No need for the Levin withdrawal, the Denali withdrawal symptoms to set in. Jam Kapoor, uh, so he is off. All right. Just, I know I'm going to get to the tax thing, but uh, something during the break just kind of bothered me a little bit. And sorry, sometimes in the show you have to throw a few curveballs. <laughs> Mr. Producer, like, what, what, what's, what's he doing? No, I have some sound cuts I want to get to. Democrats freaking out on taxes, doing their typical class warfare crap. You know, it's the same talking points every single time. You could be like, you know, those uh, the, 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 the the puppet people like the Muppets. You could just Muppet them all the time. They're going to say the same thing. Fair share. Rich people suck. Income inequality. <laughs> I mean, every single time. But on a serious note. You know, I got a Facebook message during the break from someone I, I don't know, but it was a poignant one. And I got to thinking, all of these protests, remembering how they started in the NFL, again, depicting cops as pigs. That's how this started. That's the uncomfortable history, liberals, you can never get away from. Colin Kaepernick insulted the cops. And I just want you to know out there, I was a cop. I remember, I mean, it was the first real serious job I ever had. They will never take a knee on you. You know, when you call and it's your worst moment. Remember, when you're a cop out there in the street, I was in the 7-5 precinct in East New York, Brooklyn. A really tough area at the time. You are never meeting people at their best moments. That's not what cops do. Cops go to work for a meager salary. No one I know ever got rich being a cop, by the way. Nobody I know. They got rich in post-retirement jobs if they founded some kind of company, or but they never got rich being cops. They go to work and meet people every day in their absolute worst moments. And you know when this hit me? When it was my worst moment. I was a, a Secret Service agent at the time. And I was living in Severna Park, Maryland, and I woke up one morning, and I walked downstairs, and I had had a two-story house. It was small. I wasn't particularly large, but I'm like, wow, it's really cold down here. And I've got, at the time, I think my daughter was one or two. I've got her in my arms, and it was not, it was early, but not that early, maybe like 6.37. And I'm like, wow, it's freezing. And I get downstairs, and I notice my kitchen door's open. Now, my kitchen door led into the garage, and it was spring-loaded. So the only way my kitchen door was open was if someone was standing there. So it's the first thing that went through my mind was to put my daughter down and go see who was at the door, not to bring her over to who was at because I thought, I thought someone's in my house. And I went over there, and there was a boot, one of my boots, that was holding the door open. Someone had broken in and it basically cleaned us out on the first floor while we were home folks it was a devastating moment for the first time in my life i was on the other end of that police response now the anne arundel county police showed up and the guy showed up and i remember thinking to myself you know when you were a cop and he was a good guy and he did a good job did you do that 
You know, I had a very a, a, a kind of one of those, you know, one of those road to Damascus moments that changes your whole life. And I thought when you were a cop and you answered these calls, were you as sympathetic as this guy? You know, when you were a cop and you were responding to that missing kid, we'd get tons of them, runaways. Not all of them like, were abductions, obviously. Some of them were runaways. Some of them were just kids who didn't come home on time. But were you sympathetic? What I'm trying to tell you is these cops are human beings. They're just people. They're not perfect. None of them claim to be. There was a very robust oversight of the police, at least in the NYPD when I was there, folks. Any I don't know if you know this, but any person at any time can walk into any precinct in New York City and demand to make a civilian complaint, and it will go to the CCRB, the Civilian Complaint Review Board. If you're, and Keep in mind, that's not for a crime. That's just alleging you were mistreated. You can walk in and file a police report against a cop any day of the week, and if it's true, he'll be arrested like anyone else. We have an unbelievable system of police oversight in this country. People filed complaints, and there were some cops, many of them who didn't even deserve them. Sometimes you'd get a civilian complaint. Matter of fact, in my experience, most of the time, just because the guy you arrested didn't like you. Folks, these are just men and women. They never, and women, they never take a knee on you. When you have, a, when your kid is missing, they show up. They don't get to say, you know, I don't feel good. Uh, I've got a little osteoarthritis in my left elbow today, and I'm kind of cranky. So I'm going to take a pass and go get a cup of coffee, and I'll get to that later. That's not the way it works. You know, when you're in the NFL, it's nice. You get to play a game for four hours on Sunday. Cubs aren't playing a game for eight hours every day of their lives. It's not a game. You know, I, I gave a speech once at a at an event in Alamogordo, New Mexico. And again, forgive me if I've told this story before, but it's an important one. And a lady got up whose husband was a police officer his entire life. He's a judge now. He's a great guy. And she said something I never forgot. She said, you know, the greatest sound in the world for the spouse of a law enforcement officer is the sound of Velcro at night. Now, I know you spouses out there know exactly what I'm talking about. The Velcro is the sound of those big Velcro straps on the bulletproof vest, the bullet-resistant vest, the body armor, as it comes off at night. You know your husband or wife made it home okay. These are just men and women, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, mothers, fathers. They have a tough job. Can they be rude sometimes? Of course, we all are. Do they have their bad days? Yes. But the guy who showed up at my house that day did a darn good job in one of the darkest moments of my life in making sure I knew everything was going to be okay and they were going to do the best they could do. They'll never take a knee on you. You know, when I was in the 7-5, this was one of the, and the NYPD guys listening, you know what I'm talking about. The 4-4, the 7-5, these were tough precincts. These were tough precincts with high crime and a lot of problems. A lot of drugs, a lot of gangs, a lot of Latin kings, a lot of bloods over there. There was a guy in the precinct, I'm not going to use his real name, let's just call him Bob for the sake of this conversation. Bob had a nickname, was kind of a funny one. But Bob had been a cop in the 7-5 precinct for probably close to 25 years. Folks, this was one of the most crime-ridden areas of New York. He'd been there so long that I think as a courtesy, the desk lieutenant used to make him the radio guy. Now, you would come out in the beginning of your shift and you'd have to get a radio. So he was like the equipment guy. He'd give up, he, he would stay in the station house and wouldn't go out on patrol at night. 
He'd been on patrol for about 25 years. This guy, Bob, folks, he had a thousand-mile stare like you've never seen. I don't say this as an insult. I say this to let you know what these guys go through. He never complained about it or anything, but his eyes were empty. And sometimes I would ask some of the other guys, because I was only in that precinct for a couple of years, I'd say, well, you know, what's up with Bob? And they would just be honest. They'd be like, dude, this guy's been out on the street for 20 years. I mean, how? and I remember this one guy telling me, this guy John, he said, how many missing kids, homicide scenes, People with their limbs blown off, sometimes dead, crying parents, robberies, assaults, criminal possession of a weapon, gun robberies. How many of these can you see over 20 years before all the emotion is sucked out of your eyes? I mean, has that ever occurred to you when you, when you kneel in respect for a guy who wore a set of socks with police depicted as pigs? Does it bother you at all that what you think the message you're getting across is not the message the other side is receiving? You keep saying you want to have an honest conversation, but the only thing honest was Kaepernick, and he was honest about being a jerk. Depicting cops as pigs, you sure about that? You know, it, when you're there and you live it, and you see it every single day. You know, maybe that's what we need. You know, maybe we need a, a, a bigger effort for community leaders and some of these people who speak out against cops. I mean this. I know this would be uncomfortable for both parties. But maybe it's a good idea for you to go on a ride-along for a week or two and see what these cops have to deal with. I remember walking down the street in the 7-5 precinct by myself on a footpost as a, one, you know, a young 20-year-old kid. I remember that you know a kid yelling at me across the street. I can't even tell you what he said on the radio, but it was a blanker, blank, blanker, blanker. Yeah, that's. I'm going through what he said to me in my head. I'm mumbling it a little bit because <laughs> we'll be thrown off the. Ra that's what he said to me, right? What do you do? This is this is your job every night. You nothing. The answer is you don't do anything because there's nothing you can do. Because you have a badge on that stops you. And the funny thing is, they'd be like, you're a, 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 a female anatomical part version of the word coward, if you get what I mean. They would say that a lot. And the only thing I'd be thinking in my head is, you know, this badge is protecting you, not me. Because I swore to do the right thing here. Because if, this was, if I was not in this badge and you would have said that, this would not have ended well for you, okay? But you can't do that. This is their lives every day. Do you ever think on a Sunday that those cops that live this every day, every day, you ever think on Sunday as they're serving your communities for Zippo dollars at all, has it ever occurred to you that they just want to sit back and watch a damn football game and be left alone? Has that ever occurred to you as you kneel on the sidelines, crapping on our flag and disgracing our national anthem, that maybe you can get up for a minute and put your hand over your heart and just do the right thing? You know, Rich, I'm sorry, but i got to get one more quick story here. I got a neighbor. He's a really nice guy. He's Cuban, and we were out there talking last night. He did me a favor last week. He's a, he's a cool cat. 
and I'm chatting with him, and I didn't know he how strongly he felt about this flag issue. Because we don't really talk politics. You know why? Because like I said in the beginning of the show, I don't care. He's my neighbor. He's a nice guy. But he said, you know, Dan, I come from Cuba. And he goes, let me tell you something. He's like, we hated Castro. He said, but you know what? In our house, when that Cuban anthem played, we all stood up. Even under the, and he, believe me, he hates Castro. Because that anthem wasn't about Castro. Just like this anthem isn't about the cops. It isn't about systematic oppression. It isn't about income inequality. It isn't about whatever crap you want to make it about. It is about that woman on the plane. I put this on my Facebook page, and damn, you need to watch this. It is about that woman. Have you seen this video? I can't get this out of my head. It is drilled into my head. The casket coming off the commercial airliner with the, with the flag draped on it. It is a soldier, the body being transported back, and a woman films it from inside the plane. It's on my Facebook page. Before you ever take a knee, you watch this. And you want to know what that flag really means? She walks up there and she puts that hand. You will never, if I'm telling you, you will, there will not be a dry eye in the house. The wife walks up in the rain, and the devastation on her face, even with sunglasses on, is so disturbing to watch. She lost everything. Everything that mattered to her is gone. That flag means something to people. You can stand up for a minute and acknowledge that. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. Filling in for the great one. He will be back with you on Monday. All right, let me take a quick call here. Let me go to Lisa in Wayne, New Jersey. Lisa, you're on with Dan Bongino. What do you got for us? Oh, hi, Dan. Um, just want to tell you, first of all, you're awesome. Oh, thank you. You sounded surprised. You're like, oh, hi. Like I just called your house or something randomly. Oh, hi, Dan. How you doing? What do you call my house for? That's cool. Well, thank you for the awesome comment. I appreciate that. My... Uh, I don't know about that, but that's okay. You, you know, filling in for a guy they call the great one is always a difficult task, you know? Right. Well, last week when you filled in, I'm the one who told you you sound like Brian Kilmeade. You really do, do have I? the same voice. I love Brian. He's a good He's a good dude. <laughs> By the way, let me tell you something. In person, and it, he's like the real deal. You know how you expect these people to be on TV? When I first started doing cable news hits years ago, you expect people on TV to all be like snot noses and stuff. They're all like... Super legit, like really cool people when you see him in person. I'm talking like a 16-year-old now. I'm around my daughter too much. But, no, he's super nice, a great guy. All right, what do you got for us, Lisa? Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, it is literally topical. I've never called the show before, but you're talking about something that literally just happened to me. Um, I'm a big cop supporter. I got the thin blue line on my Facebook avatar. My stepbrother's a cop. I'm big Blue Lives Matter. I follow the page and the Twitter and the whole thing. Here's the thing. You need one bad cop who's obnoxious, who ruins all that goodwill, that people like me who, like, fight other people about cops. I literally get in fights protecting, verbally protecting them. And you get one bad guy who does an obnoxious thing, and now my bad will is going to be at least a month. 
Well, don't don't let it, Lisa. Let me just tell you a quick story because I'm up against a break. But hang for this story quick. So one day I'm in Severna Park, right? Remember, I was a cop, and I'm going into a Chick Fil A or a Chick Fil A. That's an inside joke from the Secret Service, but that's an old other topic. I'm going into a Chick Fil A, and cop pulls over this older lady. It turns into a big scene in the parking lot. She's about 80 years old, can't get out of the car. He started yelling at her. It was a very bad scene. Was not a good. Um, was not a good moment for the police officers. Why do I bring that up? Because, yes, there are going to be times when they just have really bad days, and there are going to be cops who are just, you know, don't do the right thing sometimes. But here's why I want you to have faith in these guys, these men and women. I talk to cops all the time. I was one. I work with them. They're still my friends. I still talk to agents and cops. When I tell them stories like that, Lisa, I promise you, they are a thousand times more aggravated about it than you are because they understand what you just said. That one bad apple is going to ruin it for all of them when 90-plus percent of them are really, really good guys. So I just want to encourage you. to Again, I'm not saying ignore it. I'm never happens. No, there are going to be cops who do, you know, make really bad calls. I got pulled over one time, and a cop yelled at me for like 20 minutes. I was like, dude, just give me the ticket at this point. Seriously. I Just let me go. But don't let that discourage you. Because when I tell my cop friends about stories like that, especially that Chick-fil-A story, they get really upset. So thanks for the call, Lisa. I appreciate it. And uh, just to be clear, I'm not suggesting, and neither would any of my cop friends, that they're perfect and that they never make mistakes. I'm just suggesting to you that these are moms and dads and sons and daughters. They have bad days like everyone else. They work for very little money, very little respect, and they're doing it to keep your community safe, folks. Give them a break. All right, we get back. I want to talk taxes. I'm Dan Bongino. Be right back. Lady Liberty? Well, this is Mr. Liberty. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, contributing editor over at Conservative Review. At the Bongino on Twitter. Frequent bullpen relief pitcher for the great one. He will be back with you on Mondays off for Yom Kippur. So, again, um, have no fear. All right, I want to get to this tax thing. Rich, you got those cuts, right? So... Let me just set this up first. So the GOP puts this tax cut plan out there, and the the, the standard liberal garbage, you know, I get it. Listen, I, let me be candid with you. When I fill in for Mark, because I don't know any other way, and, you know, I, I'm sorry. This is just me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Once in a while, and I do mean, if I got a lot of complaints about Mark's show, I'd share them with you, but I don't. I get a lot of nice compliments. People email me. People Facebook me, whatever. But once in a while... I will get a comment on email. Someone will say, man, you sound really angry at liberals. Yeah, uh, point stipulated. You win. Like, let's get the gavel. Case closed. Yes. But what? It's not. I mean, I'm not just I'm not an angry guy. I'm actually, although it may seem other, I'm actually a pretty happy guy. Got a great wife, great kids, great job. Love my job. Love who I work with. And I have an opportunity. I know this sounds really like bootlicky, but I mean it. I have an opportunity to fill in for Levin on the radio. I mean, I grew up listening to the dude. I don't know if he's listening, but he probably don't like that I call him the dude. But I did. I grew up listening to the dude. I mean, it, to, to be able to, when he first asked me to fill in, it was Rich who reached out an email. He was like, you want to fill in for Mark? I remember texting my wife, like, do you believe this? Like, I get to fill in for Mark. Like, it's a, it's a pretty darn good life I have. But I am pretty angry at liberals. And I'm angry because of crap like this. Every single time. 
something involves economic freedom, education, liberty, some kind of conservative agenda item, school choice, tax cuts, you know, patient health care rather than single payer. The liberals just trot out the same garbage every time. And what's really upsetting about it and what infuriates me, because you're right, those people email me and you go, Dan, you're really angry at liberals. You're right. I'm angry because, folks, it's just not true. A lot of what liberals will tell you. Now, good conservatives, hopefully like myself, I know self-praise things, but I'm a pretty loyal conservatarian. I have no problem whatsoever condemning the Republican Party when they don't align with Republican principles. None. I'm the zero. Liberals will never do that. They will align with the liberal narrative if the liberal narrative is true, false, indifferent, doesn't make a difference. They will continue with the narrative no matter what, and it has started already on the tax plan. Cue up that cut, Richard Pelosi. Now, just to just to kind of set the stage for it, this was from a. It's it's not the cleanest cut because I I took it from a Fox hit and it's got some sounders on it from the website. But this is Nancy Pelosi talking about the Trump uh, tax cuts. And again, just pay attention. It's quick. It's about ten seconds. But pay attention to the talking points and say to yourself as you listen to it, where have I heard this before? Play that cut. We on the Democratic side are pay as you go. You want a tax cut? pay for it. We want to fight their rigging the system even further for the wealthy and well-connected and against hard-working middle-income families. We're not there to be accomplices to increasing the deficit with a bill that does not create jobs. <laughs> what? <laughs> wait, time, time out. Oh, wait, did you, what did she just say? Nancy, that was Nancy Pelosi. I'm, I'm not making that up. Rich, that was not some computer-generated sound effect, right? That's actually Nancy Pelosi. We're not making any of this up. That was Nancy Pelosi, liberal icon from San Francisco, former, uh, as, uh, the, 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 still, by the way, the leader of her party. Nancy Pelosi, the, the speaker Pelosi at one point, right? Nancy Pelosi saying now, I, I stripped the talking points out to make it really simple for you. Now they're into pay as you go. They, they don't believe in government debt anymore. They didn't care at all when Barack Obama basically nearly bankrupted the United States in eight years. But now all of a sudden that we have Trump in charge, now deficits matter and debt. That one was hysterical. Secondly, she's talking about we don't support when they, they rigged the system. Rigged the system. This is the same woman defending Obamacare right now as literally to risk corridor payments and risk adjustment payments. She is supporting a taxpayer bailout of health insurance companies, and she's lecturing you now about a rigged system. This is comical. This is the kind of stuff you cannot make up. It is comic genius. But here's one of the things that she said that I find almost grotesquely offensive. Well, we're these warriors. What did she say? Middle, uh, middle-income families. You, really? You, uh, you are. So you've spent the last eight years under Barack Obama. Let me get this straight. Suing Christian bakers who won't bake a cake for a gay wedding. You've been fighting passionately to allow men in the women's room and women in the men's room. A fringe issue nobody cares about but you, by the way, apparently. That's been your passion. You've been fighting an income inequality war as income inequality actually got worse under Barack Obama. 
You've been in charge of inner cities for eons. They haven't had an elected Republican on the city council in Baltimore since the 1930s. You've run them into the ground. And now, all of a sudden, being that the uh, the Trump team and the GOP uh, House and Congress introduced a tax cut plan, now, all of a sudden, you care about middle-income families? This is a joke. This is a farce. You have spent eight years running around the world, apologizing for America, comparing Republicans to Iranian terrorists, fighting for transgender bathroom usage, an issue that resonates with no one in middle America. And now all of a sudden you're these middle-income class warriors? Where the hell were you for the last eight years? Now, unlike liberals, I feel that I have a responsibility to give you the facts. And the facts are this. Let's be clear on this, folks. Because unlike libs, I'm not going to spin your wheels. The Republicans have been awful on debt and deficits, too. Point absolutely stipulated. Awful. The Bush administration, terrible on debt. And if you can't accept that, you're playing the liberals' game. We stand for something, and we stand for principles. And what I've always loved about being a conservative was the Harriet Myers pick, Medicare Part D. Conservatives were the first one out there saying, no, no, you don't get a pass because you're a Republican. These are really bad ideas. We don't have the money, or in Harriet Myers' case, nice lady, but she's not what we want on the courts right now. We fought those fights. Liberals don't care. This tax, listen, this tax plan's not great. There are a lot of winners, there are a lot of losers. It's a good tax plan. It's not great. If it's the best we can get, I'll take it. I support it as it is. I wish it were a little bit better. I think, and, and to be fair, Trump wanted a lower corporate tax rate. They didn't put it, they didn't, they just didn't put it out there. But I support it, and I do hope it passes. So, because I have a responsibility to give you a position, not just complain. Again, anything can be approved, but I don't want to make the perfect the enemy of the good here. But I'm going to tell you the facts on this. Let's talk about debt. You want to have a conversation about debt? Because all of a sudden now Nancy Pelosi cares about debt and deficits? Yes, we ran up a lot of debt. Here are the numbers. You want some hard numbers? Barack Obama. Now, I'm, I'm giving this guy a pass on this, by the way. I'm not going to charge Obama with the first year of his time in office because it was a budget Bush and science. We're even giving him a pass on this. And I'm not doing it to be nice. I'm doing it to do, unlike what liberals do, I'm doing it to be fair on this. And I won't do it for Bush either. Barack Obama ran up $8, ran up $8 trillion in debt. Where was Pelosi? Where was she giving that speech about, quote, paying as you go? That says to me she is totally, completely unprincipled, meaning she's lying to you. I'm sorry if that hurts her feelings, if that's harsh, but this is not a principled person. She changes principles as the party in power in the White House changes, which means you don't have principles at all. The whole idea of principles is that they are inviolable, not moldable or malleable or plastic. She doesn't care. Good conservatives were complaining about the debt under George W. Bush. Having said that, what was the debt under George W. Bush? Again, I'm charging the first year of Clinton uh, of Bush to Clinton, not to Bush. To be fair and consistent, Obama eight trillion in debt over his time in office. George W. Bush five point eight trillion. It's a lot of money, folks. He spent a lot of money. I worked for George W. Bush. He was a noble guy. He cared. I, I mean, he loved cops and the military. I was proud to have worked for him. That does not. 
That does not give him a free get-out-of-jail-free card, though, on economic policy. We are conservatives. We believe in controlling government spending. And the fact of the matter is we didn't do it in that time under George W. Bush. $5.8 trillion in debt is way too much. The Clinton years, $1.3 trillion in debt. Contrary to popular belief, again, there was no Clinton surplus. There were only two people who believed there were a Clinton surplus. That's imbeciles and the media. There was no Clinton surplus ever at any time in his presidency. Please stop. There's a, you know, I, on my website, but I'll make it easy for you. I, I didn't even say, I promise I'm not chilling my website. I just thought it's a, but there, rather than sending you and trying to search it on the internet, if you go to Bongino.com on my website, there's a piece by a guy named Craig Steiner. He wrote the myth of the Clinton surplus. Please read it. Please put this thing to bed. Finally, there was no Clinton surplus ever, any year and any time. Just read the piece. It's like a page long, and he links to government websites for all you liberals who have a hard time with facts and data. Finally, the Reagan uh, deficit's $1.8 trillion. So, yes, if we're going to have a sensible argument like conservatives, debt and deficits are bad, whether Republicans or Democrats do them. But the difference between conservatives and liberals and why I'm always so angry at liberals is they don't have principles why we do. We can easily call out Republicans for doing this. I have no problem telling you the George W. Bush administration spent a lot of money. None. The Reagan years, too. Now, I don't, to be clear, Reagan was a fiscal conservative. Reagan was pushed by Tip O'Neill and a lot of left-wingers in the House and Senate. I have no doubt Reagan, who understood von Mises, understood Hayek, understood the damage done and the, da- the downfall of Keynesian economics, by the way. Reagan clearly understood the damage of government debt. But he did not have the effective majorities during his entire presidency to be able to control spending. I'm not giving him a complete pass on it. I'm just telling you, I have, I, I'm not sure George W. Bush was the fiscal conservative Reagan was. That's all I'm trying to say. But I don't run from the fact that Republican presidents have run up to debt, too, because I want to solve the problem. There's nothing worse than getting a liberal caller on this show. And matter of fact, if you're a liberal and wants to defend this, 877-381-3811, or a conservative wants to call in either, I don't really care. You're welcome to join the show. But there's nothing worse than the caller who calls in. They always do it when I bring this topic up. And they go, well, George W. Bush, he spent a lot of money, too. Yep. What's your point? I'm just saying, like, he spent a lot of money. Yeah, okay, so you're saying debt is bad. No, no, I'm not saying debt is bad. I'm just saying George W. Bush sucked. Okay, well, that's that's your problem. You're a maniac. You don't have any principles. You just don't like George W. Bush. Because then when you get them to acknowledge liberals that debt is bad, you say, so if George W. Bush ran up a lot of debt at $5.8 trillion, then Barack Obama was twice as bad at nearly $8 trillion, right? Oh, no, that's not what I'm saying. Well, what are you saying, liberals? Nancy Pelosi, what are you saying? Are you saying anything? Now, you want to talk about spending? Again, I'll give you the numbers, folks. These are in percentage terms. Over the course of the presidency, the grand champion gold medal winner of spending, Lyndon Johnson, 40% hike in spending. Reagan, 25%. Clinton, 5.5%. Again, hike in spending. There was no Clinton surplus. George W. Bush, 33%. Barack Obama, 15.8%. But again, that's factoring in that most of the last year economic collapse went over to the Bush administration. And Obama, let's not pretend that Obama didn't love all that money. But folks, if you're going to argue to me, which... Tim Ryan was on with uh, Neil Cavuto yesterday. If you're going to make the argument that we should go back to the Clinton years, oh, they always talk about the Clinton years, the Clinton years, then don't be disingenuous. The Clinton years, they, they had Newt Gingrich in the Congress, and they didn't spend a lot of money. They spent about 20% of GDP. 
Now we're spending about 24. So you can't have it both ways. If you're going to argue that we should go back to the Clinton years, then you're, you're arguing basically for a big cut in government spending. But again, liberals won't tell you any of that because they are absolutely immune to facts and data. All they believe in are silly, focus group tested narratives and don't be talking points. Rigged system. The wealthy stink. Uh, it, it's so frustrating. I mean, I want, these focus groups must get paid a fortune to produce these stupid talking points for the liberals. Get the rich. Get the rich. Get the Like the rich are doing something wrong in the country. God forbid we accumulate wealth. I mean, oh, man, what do we do? Let's tar and feather them. Dopes. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. I got more of this on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. Phil in for Mark. Could be back with you on Monday. So before the break, I was talking about this tax plan, how the GOP released it, and the liberals responded with their typical garbage and, and, and just crap. They just make stuff up. Now, I gave you the numbers. That's the responsible thing to do. The responsible thing to do is to put out to you who did what. Who spent a lot of money? Who, sp- uh, what do you call it? Who sp- ran up a lot of debt during their president signed budgets that ran up a lot of debt? And that's okay. That's okay because that's what conservatives do. We stand by our principles and we stand by the truth. And the truth is, debt and deficits suck. They are really, really bad, okay? You don't need to be a financial analyst. You don't need to be a Chicago school economist, an Austrian school economist, or, well, maybe a Keynesian wouldn't get it. But it's pretty easy to figure out that what applies at the family and individual level does not change at the macro level, despite all of the liberals trying to get you to believe otherwise. They want you to believe common sense isn't common. They want you to believe things like, well, you know, you don't want to run up a $20 trillion debt in your own household, or let's say you're making a hundred grand. Our economy's worth about $20 trillion. So if you're making a hundred grand, you probably don't want to run up a hundred thousand dollars in debt in your own household, right? Everybody gets that? But somehow liberals want you to believe something magic happens when it's the collective and planners are in charge. That don't worry when it's government debt because they print money. It's all okay because liberals have magically figured out that the money fairy exists and you can somehow print value. How you can do that, I don't know. I still haven't figured that out. I'm sure some Paul Krugman liberal genius will explain it to you someday how printing money fantastically and magically fabricates value out of thin air. Money's a store of value, right? That's what it is. Right? That's what money does. We don't trade in refrigerators because they're too heavy to carry around. We trade in money. It stores value. You work, someone values it, they give you money. How printing money magically fabricates that value out of thin air when no one worked or produced a product or service behind it is just an amazing thing how liberals have figured that out. They really believe in the money fairy, and they call us all stupid when they say, oh, debt doesn't matter, government debt. I mean, who's going to make us pay? I heard someone tell me that one time. Who's going to make us pay? That's it? That's your best answer? Government debt is just chipper because who's going to make us pay? You understand, right, a lot, of gov- a lot of that government debt is yours? In other words, it's money owed to you that you paid into Social Security, that you paid into, into Medicare? You get that, right? But that you understand that's the liberals' defense. Who's going to make us pay? Which, again, is like a fancy double-barreled middle finger to America. 
That's all these people have. They don't have anything else. On the other side of this break, please don't tune out. I mean, if you got something to do, listen on MarkLevinShow.com or something. But don't miss this next hour. If you're in a car, turn it on on your radio or your smartphone. I've got a lot of information on taxes, some of which you may not have heard before, which is going to help you argue with your dopey liberal friends. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Yeah, baby, we're back. I always think 8 o'clock is, uh, like, it perks me up. I don't know what it is, man. At night, I'm not a morning guy at all. Which is funny, because I do a lot of cable news hits in the morning. By the way, if you just tuned in, I'm Dan Bongino. Hello. Um, very nice to meet you. I'm at Bongino on Twitter. It's a very formal greeting. I'm filling in for your regular host, Mark Levin, Mr. Mark. <laughs> I'm just messing with you folks. Mark will be back with you on Monday. By the way, check out his new book, Rediscovering Americanism. Do yourself a favor. Go pick it up. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookstores everywhere. And here's why. The why matters. The why matters. I write about this kind of stuff and talk about this stuff all the time where I work at Conservative Review. You cannot figure out liberals until you understand the why. The bedrock theories they believe in, the, the idea of central planning, Keynesian economics, Crowley, all of these thought leaders that influence liberals into believing that you're an idiot and they should plan your life. Mark goes into all this stuff. He explains the why. It's a great book, Rediscovering Americanism. Go pick it up. Do yourself a favor. As I always say about it, read it slow. You don't have to. It's a great read. You can get through it fast. But it explains all of this stuff in a nice little package. Mark's got some great books out there. But this is a doozy, Rediscovering Americanism. Go pick it up today. All right, so yeah, I was talking about the taxes before the break, and I said I would give you actual numbers, unlike liberals who will lie to you. Now, one of the things that's really infuriating me, and this is kind of a note to any GOP strategist, lawmaker, whatever, swamp rat who's listening right now, too. I know Mark has a pretty big audience. Stop saying pay for the tax cuts. Shut up! You don't pay for tax cuts. Because then you're already defaulting to the liberal position that we have to pay when the government doesn't take our money. We don't have to pay for tax cuts. It's our damn money. Pay for what? So let me get this straight. If you're a Republican who repeats this stupid idea, if I'm walking down the street somewhere in Palm City, Florida, where I reside, and some guy's going to rob me, which thankfully doesn't happen down here much, all of a sudden, he decides against robbing me and says, listen, I was going to rob you, but I changed my mind. You look like a nice guy, so I gave you a pass. They, I didn't cost the guy money. I don't have to pay for the failure to rob me, for the de-robbing. I don't have to pay for that, okay? It's my money. If he doesn't rob me, I don't owe him money, okay? You don't go, oh, dude. You know, I feel bad. You were going to rob me, and you didn't because you think I'm a nice guy. You know what? Just go ahead and rob me. I owe it to you. Go ahead. What do you got? Knife, switchblade, something in there, brass knuckles, harsh language. you just really big. You're going to intimidate me. Whatever. Yeah, go ahead. Just rob me. I feel kind of bad. Will you stop saying that? 
What is wrong with you? I hear these GOP people. These are elected Republicans, conservatives talking about how we have to pay for a tax cut. As if the government is somehow entitled to your money first. And by the way, if they leave you the scraps off Longshank's table for you Braveheart fans, we'll take that too. Oh, I didn't even mean to get into that, but I had a little note. I'm like, just bring that up quick, and of course I get to get off on these tangents. But on tax cuts, now I will make a reasoned, facts-based case. Liberals, I, I know you're not interested. I get it. I know liberals listen to the show. I get it. All of this is going to go in one year and out the other. But I'm going to make a challenge to you liberals out there. I'm going to pose a challenge, probably uh, more precisely phrased, right? The number to call in this show is 877-381-3811. Write that down, Libs. And conservatives, again, you're welcome to call, too. We'll get to some callers. But I'm going to pose a challenge to you. I want you to tell me a major income tax cut. Kennedy, Reagan, George W. Bush. Hell, go back to Calvin Coolidge. I want you to tell me a major income tax cut. That so-called, using your ridiculous, dopey language, costs the government money. Tell me. And I, I, you better be ready with some numbers, man, because I'll embarrass you. So you bet. Tell me a income tax cut that costs the government money, using your ridiculous terminology. Colin, you're welcome. You're welcome to do it. I, by the way, I've got the numbers in front of me, so you better be ready. Because I'm going to make a fool of you. Now, I'll give you the numbers, folks. I'm not going to go into all of them. But, you know, liberals won't call. Because remember, this is, by the way, Mark's got an audience of millions of people. I'm not making that up. You can check it all out yourself. What are you, third or fourth biggest radio show in the country? I promise you there are a number of liberals listening right now. What is amazing is they won't be able to produce a number to refute what I just said. Folks, I'm very careful about what I, this is not my show, this is Mark's show, I don't want to, I, I, I work with him over at uh, CRTV and Conservative Review, by the way, Mark has a new Levin TV tonight on CRTV.com, so check that out. I would not put this out if I was not confident what I'm telling you. Tell me a major income tax plan that costs the government money. Here's some numbers for you. Libs, you may want to put the cotton in your ears, numbers and facts usually bother you. John F. Kennedy cut taxes. Now, Lyndon Johnson signed it, I get it, but it was Kennedy's tax plan. He was obviously tragically killed, so Lyndon Johnson signed it, but it was his idea, Kennedy. Kennedy was a Democrat, Libs, in case you missed that. Kennedy signed a major income tax high, uh, cut excuse me, from 91%, which was the top rate, to 70%. That's a big cut. That's an enormous cut. Matter of fact, take-home pay-wise, as Larry Kudlow points out a lot, it's one of the biggest cuts in American history. Cut, uh, Kennedy wanted the corporate tax rate cut from 52 to 48%. Again, Lyndon Johnson signed it into office. You know what happened after that, Libs? Now, the liberal argument, now they never talk about JFK, but if they did, and if JFK was a Republican, I assure you they'd be saying that, oh my gosh, tax cuts, they clearly cost the government money. They made the rich, rich income inequality, systemic oppression, police brutality, whatever. They brought every stupid liberal talking point in the book. Here's what actually happened. Unemployment fell from 5 to 3.8% from 1964 to 1966. Government revenue, listen, libs, listen, get the cotton out of your ears now. If you're interested, take it out, put it in your mouth for a second. There you go. Government revenue went up 
up, meaning greater than the year before, increased. For you liberals having a tough time with the language, okay? Government revenue after the tax cut went up. Let me repeat this for the third time. For dopey libs out there who don't do facts and data, and that includes media types, you're all imbeciles anyway. Well, not all of you. Some of you are nice guys. But the overwhelming majority of liberal media is people who will repeat the stupid talking point that the government tax cuts have to be paid for because somehow you owe the government money. Government revenue went up from $112 billion to $130 billion after the tax cuts, 1964 to 1966. Don't let any of that get in the way of your dopey talking points. Now, I ask you again, I, I'm, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you, liberals, 877-381-3811. If they call, I'll put them on, folks. I'm not faking this. They're not lighting up the phones right now, and we're hiding it. They're not calling on us. We have a bunch of callers on the phone, but there are no liberals because they can't refute what I just told you. Now, this is just one, by the way. This is just one example, the Kennedy tax cuts. I got more of this. Now, you may say to yourself, well, why do they do this? Folks, they do it because they understand that liberals are so obsessed with disingenuous narratives. I'm not talking about all Democrats here. I Really, I mean that. I'm talking about the radical far-left kooks. They are so obsessed with disingenuous false narratives that they will never do the homework to find out the truth. You as conservatives won't do that. You as conservatives will acknowledge that tax cuts, some at the state level, have not always resulted in, um, in, in a budget surplus at the state level. What happened in Kansas with Sam Brownback was an issue involving state spending. And the liberals are, oh, the Kansas tax cuts prove trickle-down economics. By the way, there's no such thing that doesn't exist. That's a made-up fabrication. Thomas Sowell's debunked a thousand times. I think he offers like money to anyone who can show him the econometric theory of trickle-down. There's no such thing. But at the state level, yes, when you increase state spending and you engage in tax cuts and they're not done the right way and you can arbitrage money certain ways through pass-throughs and things like that, you may have some issues. Well, conservatives, we have no problem with that. By the way, after the Kansas tax cuts, Kansas did quite well. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal, by the way, if you ever want to look it up. It's uh, titled, I think it's on my, I have a debunk this portion of my website where I have an article about the Kansas tax cuts. They actually did quite well. The article's titled something like Kansas Seeded with Tax Cuts Grows or something like that. And it describes actually pretty, how Kansas did pretty well, even with the tax cuts, despite the liberal nonsense. But folks, let me just be clear the premise I'm setting up too. I am not telling you, unlike liberals, that every single tax cut is going to, quote, pay for itself because it doesn't have to. It's your money. I'm simply suggesting to you that you cannot prove to me using federal tax cut data from any website, reputable website you choose. You cannot prove to me that an income tax cut has cost the government anything. I can prove to you, maybe not causally, but at a minimum correlationally, that income tax cuts have been correlated with higher, listen libs, higher, higher, greater than, more, bigger, bigger amounts, bigger amounts of, of government revenue coming into the government. I have the data. It's crystal clear. Call in, prove me wrong. Do you think I'd humiliate myself on Mark's show otherwise? Libs, and to the libs who listen, why do you think I'm doing this? Do you think I'm trying to spin your wheels? Do you think I'm messing with you? Like, oh, this damn Bongino guy's on the radio. Look at him. He's just doing, he's propagandizing us. Look it up yourself. 
I'll tell you what. During the, i got to take a break, okay? I'll do this during the break. I am going to tweet out a very easy-to-read tax table, okay? I don't know where it's from, tax policy, some kind of foundation, but I'll, say, I'll go hunt for it quick. I will tweet it out during the break. You guys can pull it up and follow along at home. It is a, there it is, the government revenue every year. And I want you, at, look at it. All I'm asking you, Libs, is open your eyes for a minute. I'm daring you to prove me wrong. Because I know you can't. That's how confident I am that liberalism is full of liars, disingenuous narratives, and kooks who believe in class warfare and not hard facts and data. All right, folks, give us a call, 877-381-3811. The Liberal Challenge still stands. If you want to tweet me, I'm at Bongino, and I'll tweet that article out. We'll, get, uh, we'll be back with you. I got more. Don't, don't go anywhere. Do not leave the radio. I, got, I still haven't even covered Reagan and the Bush tax cuts. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in for the great one at the Bongino on Twitter. Make sure you give Mark a follow as well at Mark Levin Show. He'll be back with you on Monday. Oop, don't want to lose my clock there. There you go. All right, let me get to this call quick because this could uh, this could be good. We'll see if we can bring it. Let's go to Rusty in Denton, Texas. So, Rusty, you disagree? I, I hope you have something. Oh what do man, you, got? you just I, I don't understand where you're coming from. What does it take a, a, a trillion and a half a year for our budget? So you don't collect all that money? Where are you going to get it from? Damn sure not a surplus. But what do you think our budget? You think our budget's a trillion and a half dollars? Oh, hell, I don't know what it is, but I'm just saying. Uh, wait, wait, is. hold on. Wait, wait, time out. So you disagree with me, and you don't even know what our budget is each year? Oh, hell no, it changes. You know, no telling what's going to be with But you don't, you're not even close. You realize you're not even close, right? It's about $4 trillion, like you're not even in the ballpark? Okay, so I'm an idiot there, but at least I know it takes a certain no, amount of money. You to pay. said it, I didn't. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to call in the show as a liberal to disagree, you would think this. <laughs> Rusty, I gotta go. Sorry, bud. That, that would that was lame. That wasn't even like a cool liberal call. That was like Rusty. That's the that's it though, Mr. Callscreen. Am I not correct that this is the typical liberal caller? They call in infuriated about something. They have nothing. They have no material to bring it on. Who's going to pay the money? We need that money. It's $1.5 trillion. Um, actually, sir, that's not even close to what the federal budget is. You would think you would do some basic homework before you called in the show. But, you know, God forbid liberals actually did that kind of stuff. We need, like, like remember those vaccine cards you used to have when you were kids? Remember those? Like I, I got them in the Secret Service. You, I think people in the military get them to get those yellow cards. Every time you get like a vaccine for like typhoid or something, they check off yellow fever, whatever it may be. You know, we need like a liberal fax vaccine card. You know, that would be really cool. And like they, they got their vaccination, like tax cuts don't work. Like they've been vaccinated against that. So you check that box. You know, school choice drains money from public schools. OK, you said that you're vaccinated against school choice facts, too. That's clear. OK, single payer. The government cares about people. They should control health care, despite the fact that they ration. OK, check that box. That's what we need. We need a liberal fax vaccine card. And every time they call them, we can check off a box room and mail it to them. you have now gotten vaccinated against facts for tax cuts. So nice job, Rusty. All right, I said I would get to some more of that. I mean, seriously, this is the best they can do. This guy, but this show has millions of listeners. I just put out a simple challenge to liberals, to the clown class. I said, Libs, 
Here's the number, 877-381-3811. You say tax cuts cost, cost the government money. Those are your quotes, not mine. That we should, that they have to be paid for. That, in other words, tax cuts are going to cost the government revenue. I am asking one of you, just one to call and show me an ounce of data at the federal level about an income tax cut that has cost the government money. Folks, the guy, uh, this, the, this is Mark's show. There are millions of people. They cannot find one. Does that not say to you, like Houston, we have a problem? If you're a liberal listening, are you not even remotely bothered that nobody can call, no one can call in and do and defend that? Does it not bother you that maybe what you're saying is false? Folks, I just gave you the numbers on Kennedy. You need the number on Reagan? Because, oh, the Reagan tax cuts assuredly cost the government money. Oh, they had to. Okay. Reagan cut the rate from 70 to 28%. I've only said this on this show 10,000 plus times. A little hyperbole, but you get the point. Reagan cuts the top rate, 70 to 28%. Federal revenue went up from 500 billion to over 900 billion. I think it was 909 to be precise when Reagan left office. Look it up. I just tweeted it out. I the tweets out there. It's from the taxpolicycenter.org backslash statistics. You can check it out there. It's on my Twitter account right now. Federal receipt and outlay summary. Look it up yourself, Libs. See, debunking liberals is easy because when you have the facts on your side, facts don't have a right or wrong. They just have facts. Two plus two equals four. Doesn't matter if you think that's right or wrong. It's always going to equal four. There's no two sides to two plus two equals four. When I have the facts on my side, this is what they can't call in. Oh, wait. Oh, we got This is great. All right, don't, folks, don't go anywhere. I think we have a liberal getting ready to humiliate himself again. This is turning into like a cornucopia of dumb liberalism tonight. All right, I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. Make sure you give Mark a follow as well, at Mark Levin Show. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Making conservatism great again. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. All right. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino out of the bullpen filling in for Mark. Be back with you on Monday. I'm at Bongino on Twitter. Comments, criticisms, no death threats. Please, I really don't appreciate that. You know, I actually don't care. My wife really doesn't like it, though. You know, <laughs> crazy, right? All right. Uh, gosh, should we just go? Let's just dig right in. Let's just take John from Silver Spring here. John apparently disagrees with me and says, I'm wrong, and I'm guaranteeing you John doesn't know what he's talking about. John, go right ahead. What do you got for us, buddy? Yeah, I'm sorry. You simply don't have the facts. Okay, tell me the facts. It's a matter of fact that deficits doubled under Reagan after the tax cuts. It's a matter of fact that after JFK's tax cuts, there was a terrible recession that lasted for nearly a decade. It's All right, time out. Time out. You're talking. John, John, John. Did you Have you listened to this show, or are you just randomly calling in like a dopey liberal because you're just like emotionally enraged? Do you have Trump derangement syndrome? Have you listened to the show? I heard yourself on the radio, and I want to give did you, you Wait, wait, wait. Did you hear the portion of the show where I covered the deficits Reagan that were run up during the Reagan years? Did you miss that? I, I missed it, but, I mean, how do you deal okay, with Okay, because you're a liberal and you're obsessed with being an idiot. Okay, John? Here's what I said. 
I said, now let me ask you, you know, let me ask you a question. Let's see how smart you are, because you seem like a real kind of, uh, you, you know, you sound like one of these smug pajama boy liberals, okay? When Reagan cut taxes, he cut the top income tax rate from 70 to 28 percent. Do you think tax revenue to the government went up or went down? It caused a terrible recession. Do you, John, answer the question. You, I'm sick of you clowns. Answer the question. Do you think tax revenue to the government went up or went down? Revenue is, is not what's relevant. Do you think tax revenue went up or down? I'm, I'm not sure. Do you, you think tax revenue went up or down? You, you tell me. Get off the phone, dope. You see this, folks? You see this moron? You see what we have to deal with? You wonder why I can't stand liberals? I get it. I know I'm going to get some emails. Ah, why are you so mean to liberals? Because they're idiots. He calls in to tell me what I already said on the show. If you're listening to this show on podcast tomorrow, whatever it may be, rewind the show to the portion where I covered the fact that during the Reagan years, there was a $1.8 trillion accumulated deficit and spending jumped 25%. He calls in to tell me what I already said. When the question asked had nothing to do with deficits and had everything to do with did the Reagan tax cuts generate money for the government or so-called cost the government money. John doesn't have an answer because he's a brain-dead, knucklehead, clown liberal. So he calls to tell you something completely different that you already said as if he's making a point. Holy Moses. Let's go. Let's help John here. Silver Spring, Maryland. That explains it all. I, I ran for office near Silver Spring, Maryland. John has been indoctrinated by the communist portion of occupied Maryland. Federal tax revenue. These are the actual numbers for those of you following along at home. I'm at the Bongino on Twitter. I tweeted these out. You can look at it yourself. 1980, tax revenue under Reagan, 517 billion. 81, 599 billion. 82, 617 billion. 83, 600 billion. 84, 666 billion. 85, 734 billion. 86, 769 billion. 87, 854 billion. 88, 909 billion. My gosh, can you not figure out, liberals, that those numbers are going up, not down? Do you need an abacus to figure this out? And then you call in and humiliate yourselves? Liberals, please. I get it. You know, I, I was a Secret Service agent. I was a cop. I've had a lot of jobs. I've written books. I get it. I'm not claiming to be, you know, a Nobel Prize winner in economics. I love economics. I did my MBA in finance. I love finance. I'm passionate about it. I don't know everything. I don't know a smidgen of the material that's out there, but I know a good amount. Surely there is someone out there on the liberal side that can call in and prove wrong, prove me, just prove me wrong. That's all I'm asking. I'm putting out a challenge to a mil millions of listeners. And the best they can do, uh, do is uh, John from Silver Spring. That's the best they can do. A guy who calls in to tell you what you already said. By the way, Reagan years, they had deficits. Uh, John, please rewind the show to the segment. What was that about 45 minutes ago where I actually discussed that already? That's it. You got anything else? You have any substantive material at all? Now, I'm sure someone will call in and show me how the Bush tax cuts cost the government money, too. Despite the fact that that's not true either. There was a dip in tax revenue after the recession, but not after the tax cuts. 
Bush cut taxes in 2003. The tax revenue windfall that came into the government over the following four years, $785 billion in additional tax revenue. That means more, liberals. That means it went up. That means an arrow pointing up, not down. Are you having a tough time with this? Prove me wrong, I dare you. Prove me wrong. You can't. You can't prove me wrong. Even the New York Times, by the way, this is from a piece by Dwyer in the Washington Times. It's an older piece, but I tweet it out all the time. It's on my website. The New York Times, when after the Bush tax cuts, when the government generated more revenue, more, meaning greater than libs, quote, this is a quote, they said, it was a surprise windfall. No, it wasn't. It was a surprise windfall to you, the idiots at the New York Times. It wasn't to anybody who understands basic cash flows. You give people more money to spend, they'll invest it or spend it. The economy grows and the government raises more revenue. This is only complicated to liberals. All right, here's another doozy. I'm sorry, I don't want to take all kooky libs, but it's always kind of funny to hear this. All right, let's take, uh, let's see. Well, this guy may not be kooky. We don't know. Let's give him a shot. Let's go to Eddie in Somerset. Eddie, please tell me you're not going to be a nut. What do you got for us? Yes, hi. Thank you for taking my call. No, I'm not going to be a nut. Okay. I'm neither a, a liberal nor a, um, a conservative. But I was just telling the producer that, you know, I hear you. I, I, I hear you on the radio. And Rachel Meadows, I used her as an example, can do Rachel the same Meadows? thing. She can, she, Is yeah, that Meadows. a porn star? She could, no, uh, what I'm oh, you mean Rachel Maddow. Oh, Rachel Meadows. Okay, sorry. That's I don't really joke. listen to any of those shows. Um, <laughs> so, But anyway, um, she, she can ask, uh, you know, conservatives to call her show and and make them uh, look like idiots. That, that's not difficult. But no, no, she can't. No, no, Eddie, no, no, Eddie let me can. stop you. Rachel Meadows... <laughs> Rachel Maddow can't do that. Rachel Maddow, I'm joking. Rachel Maddow can't do that because Rachel Maddow doesn't have any facts on her side. So Rachel Maddow can't actually make conservatives look stupid because you clearly missed the point I was making before. The things I'm saying are irrefutable facts. I said to you tax revenue went up after all of the federal government's big income tax cuts. You cannot make me look stupid. You'll only make yourself look stupid by arguing basic facts. You can't make me. If I say three plus three equals six, you can't make me look dumb because you're a liberal. I'm yes, sorry. For me, if you will. When, when um, Donald Trump says that he wants to make America great again, what period of our history is he talking about? Is he talking about before 1960? Because back then, blacks were essentially slaves. Uh, uh, Eddie, uh, you know what? I'm not doing that. Goodbye. Get off the phone. Sorry. Goodbye. I can't take it. I'm not doing that. Now we're going down, Donald. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Eddie. That's very. Ra that's a very reasonable and very rational premise that, yes, make America great again was a Donald Trump uh, slogan. And, and it really meant make America great again, subtitle, let's bring back Jim Corwin's slavery. I mean, are you serious even saying that? You know, it's a national radio show. People can actually hear Hear that, that you know. Th really, don't humiliate yourself. All right, let's try one more. That's this guy. I don't know. With, on the the gangster curve, this may be a little for those of you who know me from another show. All right, Lee from Charleston, South Carolina. Please tell me you have something of substance to offer to rescue liberalism for the night. Well, um, I, my goal is not to rescue liberalism, but there are a lot of ways to stimulate the economy, and it seems that the Republicans only think that tax think that tax cuts are the only way to do so. Um, the, um, when Reagan uh, cut taxes, Paul Volcker cut the interest rate by 
So if you cut the interest rate by 10% borrowing, that means the poor and the middle class. Wait, 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 Lee. You're just, you're totally, totally screwing up history. Again, this 3 plus 3 doesn't equal 7, Lee, because you say so. When Paul Volcker, Paul Volcker, the Fed chair at the time, and the Reagan presidency, when those were going on simultaneously, we were dealing with the stagflation era and the dismantling of what was known as the Phillips curve, the idea that somehow you could use the printing of money to decrease unemployment in the economy. Paul Volcker increased the interest rates dramatically, which actually caused the recession in the early years. People were paying like 15 and 16 percent for a home mortgage. Did you, I mean, it, why are you just calling and making stuff up? I'm not making stuff up. The interest rates were cut. The interest rates under, under Lee, the Lee, 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 really Lee, no, no, no. Time out. I'm not going to let you do this. Can you just acknowledge that what I said is true, that Volcker hiked the interest rates dramatically to cut inflation in the early years of the Reagan years, which caused the recession at the time? Can you just acknowledge that that is factually and historically correct? Well, uh, listen, uh, I know you researched all day this. Uh, this, this Get off the phone. Get this guy off the phone. I can't take it. Goodbye. Go, really, I'm, I'm, I can't. I'm not doing it. Sorry. Get off the phone. I was hoping this guy was going to rescue liberalism, and he only humiliated it further. You understand, folks? This is, we've had three, I'm giving him a shot. I've given him a shot, liberal callers. I have given him a shot all night. This, they cannot call in with anything of substance at all, ever. Paul Volcker decreased interest rates. When Paul Volcker, when the Reagan presidency started, they hiked interest rates dramatically to stomp out the massive inflation in the economy. Does this guy not know that? I mean, did, what do they do? Do they sit in front of the Rachel Meadows? Those <laughs> you just saw that, heard that last caller. Do they just listen to Rachel Maddow all day and, like, take little notes without doing any homework? And then he goes, like, it's an insult. This was great. This is, this is classic liberal caller on talk radio. He goes, well, I'm sure you probably sat here and did your research all day. Yeah, Lee, that's called doing your homework before you get on the air. Shame on me. I, I'm not going to come on the air like uh, Chris Cuomo or Rachel Meadows, as that other <laughs> I said. I'm not going to come on here and just lie to you. I'm actually going to do some homework. Wow, what a jerk. Man, I should really be embarrassed. Guy goes on the air and actually does research first? Man, alive. What a dope. I mean... <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, you wonder again why, you know, sometimes you email me when I fill in for Mark. Why are you so angry at liberals? This is what I did. It's my whole life. Yeah, folks, just live with me for a second. I got to take a break, but live with me for a second. Live, spend five, you know, maybe 50 seconds in the life of Dan Bongino, right? I was a cop. I was a Secret Service agent, wrote some books. What I do now is I do content production, okay? I work at Conservative Review. Mark's over there. We have CRTV. Uh, I got a show coming up over there. Mark's got Levin TV over there. Quick promo for us. That was totally like me telling you how great it is, but still. This is what I do for a living. I don't get to escape from it. Like many of you who are nurses, you know, firemen, you're, you know, well, cops, you don't get to escape from it either. But your accountants, you're out there. You get to go to work, and probably work is... Sadly, in this political era, it's probably a nice break from having to watch political commentary all day. I never get away from it. Now you want to know why I'm so angry at liberals? I have to read this crap all day. I have, I have to read like the New York Times, Mother Jones, Think Progress, and you read it 
and you seriously want to like grab the back of your head and go head meet desk rapidly because you can't believe how so many people can be so deluded into believing that their nutcase fringe ideology is actually legit. It's frustrating. You, there's no amount of facts. There's no amount of. I put out a simple challenge tonight. And not one liberal could call in and tell me anything I said was untrue. And in order to make it seem untrue, they had to make other stuff up. Oh, boy. Frustrating. All right, folks. I'm Dan Bongino at Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, <laughs> at Bongino on Twitter. Always having fun on the radio. I can always tell by the the hate-filled emails I get from, from nutty libs that I, you touch a nerve. I put out a simple challenge tonight, folks. It was that simple. I said, we've cut taxes in the federal government, income taxes, way back, Calvin Coolidge, Kennedy, Reagan, Bush, you name it. I have a simple challenge. Libs, call in and prove that I'm wrong. Show me where those tax cuts cost the government money. No one can do it. None of them can do it. It's amazing. And we believe me, we were taking calls. I'm telling you. It's got to show you. They're nuts. Hey, by the way, there is a new Levin TV tonight. If you have not subscribed yet to CRTV, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. We have the best conservative content out there. I'll even give you a promo code. It's my last name, Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O. You get $10 off. There's a new Levin TV tonight. We just picked up Gavin McGinnis. He's got a new show. It's a great show. It's called Get Off My Lawn. It's terrific. We have Stephen Crowder's show. He just did an unbelievable expose on Antifa. We have Steve Dace's show, Michelle Malkin's show. It is a library of incredible conservative content go check it out it was a simple challenge that's all i asked and the only reason i did this folks i get it you know i, I i'm a little edgy I, I i don't mean that in kind of a self-praise like humble brag way i get it that that may upset some people like yeah a lot of you like a little more laid-back approach that's not me i'm sorry it's just not my style but i'm genuinely angry that liberals just refuse to tell you the truth they could they would make, I mean, if they, if they, if they laid it out there and were honest and fair about things, I think they would do better in elections. But the reason liberalism will always remain nothing more than a fringe movement is because you can't continue to tell people eight minute abs works. There was an article I read recently. I did a show on this a while ago about eight minute abs. You can't continue to tell people eight-minute abs works. It was a piece in the Wall Street Journal. That was it. Where the premise was that the reason liberalism is falling out of favor, because once you lie to people and tell them, eight-minute abs, look, you can get abs in eight minutes, anyone can undercut you with seven-minute abs and six-minute abs like something about Mary. Remember the movie? Six-minute abs. You can't have six-minute abs. That's the whole point. You can't lie to people about eight-minute abs because then a guy comes along and lies even worse and goes seven-minute abs. That's what liberals have been doing forever. They've been lying to people so often that people are just one-upping them on the lies and they lose credibility altogether and people stop buying the eight-minute abs videos. It's all crap. I went on this air. I, this is not my show. I'm always very careful. I put out a simple challenge tonight. You said income tax cuts, quote, cost the government money. Tell me where it's happened. Not one person could call in and say anything other than a bunch of garbage and lies on the air. I tweeted out to you the numbers, folks. I can back it up. Facts don't lie. Facts, what does Ben Shapiro say? All that? Facts don't care about your feelings. They don't. They don't. Facts are facts. Liberals don't have them. 
We do. And be proud of that. Be proud that you're on the right side of history. Folks, I want to uh, you know, really thank you. I appreciate all the feedback tonight on Facebook and Twitter, the emails. I want to thank Rich and uh, Mr. Call Screener over there. You guys are great. I want to thank Mark for letting me fill in. And if you'd like to go pick up my book, I have a third book out. It was just released last week. It's called Protecting the President. It's the inside story of the collapse of the Secret Service, and it's not due to the, the agents over there. Men and women there are doing a great job. It was a bureaucratic failure. So that's uh, available on Amazon now. It's called Protecting the President. Thanks, guys. Ladies, see you all soon.